It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas and it's great to have you out there listening. Thank you for joining me. This is the fifth podcast of our 2020 e-commerce master plan growth series sponsored by Omnisend. That means we're now halfway through. Crazy, crazy. Um, Now, if you've not heard the first half, then you've already missed... Nicola Fox from Misguided talking about customer communications and how to make the switch from batch and blast to segmentation and automation. Davies Roberts from Flare Audio, who came back on the show to talk about Facebook ads, plus how to shift from growth at all costs to a profit focus. I've already heard from a few of you about how that really fits in with your 2020 aims. Um, You've also missed our seven experts from all over the world who actually include today's guest telling us what the most important thing that we learned in e-commerce last year was. And that that is a crammed show. It's only about 23 minutes long, but man, are there some ideas in that one. And uh, you've missed Joanna Steele from Argos lifting the lid on how to get reviews and how to make them work for you once you've got them. Now, the good news is you haven't really missed them because they're all available to hear right now after you've finished this episode, of course, and you can find them all in your podcast app of choice or at ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. We've even done a full transcript for you of this, the uh, the experts episode, so you can literally print it out to refer to later if you want to. Right, back to what's coming up in this show. This is a packed episode. We're discussing ethical e-commerce, sustainable e-commerce, how to do it and why it could be key to your future growth. We're also going to be talking about fast growth in e-commerce and where to focus if you want to achieve it. Plus, watch out for the top tip section uh, where there's a serious sales mindset breakthrough coming at you. Now, if you thought ethics and sustainability were completely incompatible with fast sales growth, then prepare to be re-educated. After, of course, we hear from our sponsors. Are you looking to increase your sales without a lot of extra work? Omnisend's email and SMS marketing automation platform is tailor-made for e-commerce businesses like you. It's got everything you need to start making more sales immediately, including one-click integrations with the major e-commerce platforms and super easy migration from your existing email marketing platform. They even have award-winning all-human 24-7 customer support who will help you out in under six minutes. No more trying to get past the chatbot. Omnisend is trusted by over 70,000 e-commerce brands and me. Yes, we run our email marketing on the Omnisend platform. Ready to join us? Well, sign up for a free account at ecmp.info forward slash Omnisend and use the code masterplan2022 to save 15% on paid plans when you need them. Everyone in your business should read this book, whether they are in marketing or not. Why? Because it removes all the smoke and mirrors around marketing for e-commerce, channel by channel, but still delivers for your marketing team on detail and how to plan for success. 
That's what Nicola Fox, ex-head of Ciara Misguided, said about my new book, E-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. You can grab the Kindle or paperback on your local Amazon store now. Or if you're not quite ready to commit to buying the book, head to ecommercemarketingbook.com to get the free crash course, including the first two chapters. And now to introduce today's special guest expert. Lucy Bloomfield is an ex-retailer. She grew her e-commerce business, Trefiel, to over 10,000 customers in just 18 months, then decided to close it and refocus on helping online retailers replicate her success. She's also on a mission to see e-commerce become far less damaging to the planet. And that's what she's joining us to talk about today. Hello, Lucy. Hey, Chloe. So good to be here. Very cool to have you on. And I'm really excited to getting um, into the whole world of ethical e-commerce. But before we do that, um, how did you get started in e-commerce? Oh, that's a great question. Um, So basically, I was traveling around the world working for a cybersecurity company in the US, um, doing all kinds of geeky things, programming, etc. And like any sane person, I got really sick of what was good. (laughs) And I decided to start an e-commerce business. Um, One of our friends had a teeth whitening kit company. This is like for like six years ago when influencers were sort of a brand new thing and there was no legislation around it. And he told us he'd made hundreds of thousands of dollars in six months. And we were like, hmm, I want some of that. (laughs) (laughs) So we, uh, we found an amazing product and we imported it and started selling it and we went from there. Nice. And what was the product you were working with then? Yeah. So it was a lace sheet mask. Um, for those who are not familiar with like sheet masks in general, you have like a, a goo kind of mask that you spread on your face. And then there's also like a piece of fabric that's soaked in serum. Um, so we were selling those right before the Korean beauty trend hit the West. Um, and we got to ride that wave, which is really exciting. Cool. And um, this was the business Trefiel, wasn't it? So let's just cover off some of the key points about that before we get get into the ethical side of things. Mm-hmm. So Trefiel, what platform did you build that one on? WooCommerce. Ah, very cool. <laughs> and uh, and why did you pick WooCommerce? That's a good question. So like I mentioned, I had a background in programming um, and web design. I've been building web websites since I was like 10 years old. Um, so coding and that type of thing has always been a part of me and it just seemed like a really, I guess, natural choice, gave me more control than Shopify often offers and it's cheaper as well. Nice. Nice. For those who need to get into the code, WooCommerce is is a really good choice. And uh, given you're on WooCommerce, you got any particular plugins or anything you'd like to recommend? Oh my gosh. Um, I really like the Fox as an e-commerce theme. I think it's like really nice and super usable. Um, it has so many different like options for as far as building websites. And then I have to say like the, I think it's the WooCommerce, um, maybe it's not, it might be like WP themes or something like that, but they have like a whole set of plugins that are kind of expensive, but also like super functional. Um, that aren't necessarily built into WooCommerce as a base product. And finally, I just love Stamped.io. I think the team is amazing and the product is awesome. Awesome. We'll we'll add links to all of those and and we'll 
clarified post-interview where that group of plugins are because I know there's some people out there going, what plugins? Which group of plugins? I need those plugins. Uh, so we'll, we'll add that the links to all that to the show notes for you guys after we finish recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so how was the team at Trefiel? Was, it, was that just you or were there a couple of other people involved? Yeah, so I had worked for the cybersecurity company in the US remotely, um, which is why I was able to travel all around the world while I was working for them. And it was a really amazing experience and something that I wanted to continue, even if it wasn't immediately. So one of the things that my business partner and I at the time did was set up the company and structure it so that whoever came in was ultimately going to be able to work for us remotely and also gave us the freedom to be location independent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say like 50% of our employees were in the West as contractors and then 50% of our employees were overseas. Wow. So it was a really, uh, really fluid dynamic model then. Yeah, it was awesome. We had a really great team, um, lots of flexibility for everyone involved. And it was ultimately like we built it as such that we could go. We were living in Southeast Asia um, for a time, just testing out the model of being away from the 3PL that was handling all our orders and shipping. And then we were in a completely different time zone living in Europe, which was really cool. And for anyone out there who's listening, who is loving the idea of making their team more dynamic, less needing to all be in the same office for for whatever reason, whether they want to go traveling or whether they just want less payment on office fees. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got any advice on how to go about setting setting the business up to make that possible? Yeah. So a couple of things. I actually think it's really important to sort of be even more focused on processes, automation, and like even almost stripping back what actually needs to be done in the business. It's so easy to hire and to hire wrong for things that don't really need to be done. And I think if the the baseline is, do we actually need this? And then if you do actually need to have it in your business, having a process or automating it so that if like worst case scenario, you have to hire someone, you know exactly what you're hiring for, I think one of the biggest mistakes we made with the company was we just had such an excess of employees and I look back on it now with a much more efficient business and I think, oh my gosh, like there's so much more we could have done with the cash that we had um, if we had been a little bit more careful about how we structured it. Very cool. I'm sure that's going to help out a lot of listeners. Okay, let's talk then about the fact of, I guess, actually, no, before we get into ethical, let's talk about how fast you grow Trefiel, because I know um, fast growth is something everybody, I think probably everybody wants. You did amazingly to get to over 10,000 customers just 18 months after you started. What was the, what do you think was the key to that? Mm, That's a really great question. So it's, it's actually kind of an interesting story. Um, I might go into it a little bit, given that we're having this conversation. Um, so for the first six months, I was in the business on my own. Um, my business partner had a stake, but he was working full time, um, doing other stuff. And I was really, really terrified of sales. Like I'd never sold a thing before. Um, and so as a consequence, the way that I was building the business was focusing entirely on brand and branding. Um, and that in and of itself is like certainly 
uh, strategy um, and an important one at that. But as far as scaling a business rapidly or efficiently, it's absolutely terrible. (laughs) (laughs) So the first six months was nothing. Like I would say max two grand a month revenue. Um, And then things started to pick up a little bit because the branding, you know, it is a good strategy and it does pay off over a very long period of time. And I would yeah. say we probably got between five and $8,000 a month sales doing what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And then my business partner came into the business and was like, what are you doing? Let's sell some product and make, sh- make some actual money. And we went from doing eight grand, um, let's say max eight grand in, in the first nine months of the company to doing 50 grand a month in three or four months. Wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, my elevator pitch is, you know, 10,000 customers in 18 months, but the really amazing part of the story is that it actually happened in a much, much shorter time frame than that. And the strategy around that is by focusing really tightly on niching, Um, and then mapping the product against the customer's internal world. So who they, who they fear they're not, who they really want to be, what they really want and what they fear they won't get and how the product helps them have that transformation. So very much about getting the copy and the imagery and the messaging, right. And then deploying all the usual channels, I suppose. Yes, exactly. I, I love that that you completely write off the fact you spent so much time on brand. But yeah, if you hadn't spent that, spent that time on brand, it would have taken, I think, much longer to get that messaging correct. Probably, probably. And the other thing as well, the nice part about that business was we had a 40% return customer rate. So not saying that the branding wasn't a good investment, but I question the order of things. Like I mm-hmm. feel like if I had a focused on acquisition the business actually would have grown so much faster. And then off the back of that, you can invest into branding. Very true. Okay, let's let's get into the world of ethical <laughs> because I think um, a lot of people feel that, I think I'm coming across increasing numbers of people who feel that they want to do something more ethical in the e-commerce space, whatever that ethical means to them. But for, for you, how do you, how do you reconcile the world of fast growth with ethical because we often hear is the least ethical e-commerce businesses are the fast fashion. So Mm -hmm. it's almost in my head, the word fast and the word ethical are almost the opposite ends of the scale. So how do you, how do you do both at the same time? Yeah. So I think just on that note, I think fashion is a really terrible industry, (laughs) like as far as the waste. And when I think of ethical, I'm also think about the way a business operates. I kind of think about it in terms of three pillars. So Mm -hmm. product, processes and profit. So the way your product is made, what it contains, is it made from animal products, those types of things. Like there are such great um, alternatives available now that it just seems crazy to me that we would continue using materials and raw goods that are, you know, so traumatic to the world. Um, then the other thing is processes. So the way you actually run your business, what kind of business it's like to work for, how do you handle like customer service inquiries, basic business strategy, right? Like what kind of business are you? Are you the type of business that won't do returns or refunds because, you know, you don't care or are you the type of business that shows up and really wants to give your customers a great experience? 
And then as well on the profit side of things, it's very easy to scale an e-commerce business and make a ton of money and also spend a lot of money on continuing to scale the business. But I think one of the amazingly unique parts of running a uh, like a successful e-commerce business is that you have the opportunity to scale and you also have the opportunity to to create huge impact with scale. Um, and I really think one of the reasons that a lot of the huge e-commerce businesses right now are super successful is because they're giving back and using their business to drive change and create impact in the world. Nice. I love that three pillar approach because I think uh, a lot of us struggle with just ethical as an idea and have no idea where to start. But actually, when you break it down into those three pillars, it's pretty obvious. Hmm. You know, you can quite quickly work out a path to becoming more ethical. Definitely. By focusing on those three pillars that you can be both fast growth and ethical, is that kind of the core of it? I think so. Like, I think the problem that people have with fast growth as a concept is that they often have um, undealt with, I guess, toxic ideas around sales and money. Um, And so one of the things that I talk about a lot with my one-on-one clients and even in my sales calls is this idea that sales and fast growth is a bad thing because it's not. The reality is as a product business owner, yes, you sell a product, but you're really selling a service. You're really helping your customer get from a to B, to be more of who they want to be through your product. And so if you're scaling and helping more people achieve that, is that such a bad thing? Uh, well, quite. <laughs> I think that's something that's that's something which a lot of people struggle with, isn't it? That thought of fear of almost fear of success. Yeah. And you mentioned about uh, fashion being an awful part of the industry for mm-hmm. its ethical levels. Is there a part of the industry or, you know, a sector like for, like um, like fashion as a sector, which you find it's easier or is more naturally ethical? No, I think they're all as bad as each other, honestly. I think there's some really good people coming through the ranks at the moment. Um, and I think the, like the millennials and even the Gen Z that are coming through as teenagers right now are really, really exciting. Being a millennial myself, I'm pretty idealistic about what I want the world to look like. And then I look at Gen Z and I'm like, holy crap, like they are 10 times the people that I am and they haven't even started making businesses yet. So no, not yet, but I think we're going to be seeing a lot of change. And I suppose the fact that there aren't many in or any industries where this is being done well is a huge opportunity for someone to come in and use it as a USP at this point in time. Exactly. Like my coaches went to Necker Island with Richard Branson about a year and a half ago or so. Um, and he was saying at that sort of um, gathering that in the next 10 to 15 years, if businesses don't have social good baked into what they do, they won't be around. And I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly like agree with that 100%. Which means that in 10 years time, you have to have done it. But if you do it now, you can use it as a USP as a way to help you grow. But in 10 years time, it's just going to be table stakes. Exactly. Um, I was having a conversation with a fur company the other day, like someone who, you know, literally profits off the suffering of, you know, foxes, rabbits. Um, I think it's like minks being skinned alive. It's horrific. And I was saying to them, you don't understand how powerful the hero's tale would be for your business because 
you could use it as a story to pioneer this particular industry, cement yourself into the future. And not only would you be doing the planet, you know, amazing things by making that that choice, you'd also make a ridiculous amount of money doing that. Did you say the hero's tale? I've never heard that phrase before. Is that like literally the first person in industry to do it differently? Yeah. And to make a statement about doing it differently and then to use that in their marketing to sell product. Wow. So in the case of the fur company, would that be going to non-animal based products or using a different type of an, a diff, uh, animal products harvested in a different way? Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like lab grown leather coming out in the next five to 10 years. So that's another really good example where as a, let's just say you were a leather goods company right now and you were like, actually, you know what? I think this is really crap. What we do, what we support through our business, we want to change. And you spent the next six to 12 months changing over. And then you then took that story of what you were doing behind the scenes of the business and you leveraged it and put it out the front of your business in your B2C part of your business. And you use that to sell product that would sell a ridiculous amount of product. Very, very good advice. Okay. Um, and I guess, I guess I have to ask you for anyone out there who's, who's inspired by what we're talking about and who wants to become more ethical with their business, where's a good place to start? I think packaging is probably the biggest one. Like I remember with my skincare company, when stock would come into Australia, it was, you know, it was, devastating and uh what's the word cognitive dissonance that experience Mm -hmm. that you have when you know something is bad and you feel it inside of you but you come up with a rationalization about why it's okay I definitely used to experience that a lot with like how our product came in to Australia and then doubly so when I realized that I'd literally put hundreds of thousands of plastic packets into the environment to make money and I think you know regardless of materials and and how you actually make your product and how your business runs right now, the best thing that you could do for the planet is massively reduce your waste in the next couple of months. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, you, and you laugh when you say a couple of months, but actually it's, it's very possible to do now in, in ways it wasn't just 12 months ago. The, the opportunities, the technologies, the alternative options to plastic have evolved so much in such a short space of time that it's not a, oh God, it's going to cost us a lot more scenario anymore. Oh gosh, it's going to be really hard to find the suppliers. It's literally just a choice. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, it's a choice that not many people are making right now, but I'm hoping in in its small way that this podcast will have an impact and hopefully encourage people to do that. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Are you looking to increase your sales without a lot of extra work? Omnisend's email and SMS marketing automation platform is tailor-made for e-commerce businesses like you. It's got everything you need to start making more sales immediately, including one-click integrations with the major e-commerce platforms and super easy migration from your existing email marketing platform. They even have award-winning all-human 24-7 customer support who will help you out in under six minutes. No more trying to get past the chatbot. Omnisend is trusted by over 70,000 e-commerce brands and me. Yes, we run our email marketing on the Omnisend platform. 
Ready to join us? Well, sign up for a free account at ecmp.info forward slash Omnisend and use the code masterplan2022 to save 15% on paid plans when you need them. Let's started. In the last ad break, you heard a review from a retailer just like you of my new book, e-commerce marketing, how to get traffic that buys to your website. It's a Kindle bestseller in the UK, USA and Australia. And as past podcast guest Chantal put it, if you run an e-commerce business, buy this book. The Kindle and paperback are available from your local Amazon store. Plus, it's now available everywhere on audiobook too. Just search e-commerce marketing on your favourite audiobook app and click on the white cover with the blue and pink text. It's time for the top tips round. Okay, I think it's time we go into the top tips. Um, and in the top tips round, I, well, I just love it because it gives us some great ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. So Lucy, are you ready for the top tips? Yes, I'm ready. Let's do it. Sweet. Okay. The book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? Mm, Can I recommend three? (laughs) Yeah. All right. I'll let you have three. (laughs) So there's a really great advertising book called Hey Whipple Squeeze This. Um, That's like awesome sort of strategy around traditional advertising, but a lot of it has messaging um, and structure of sales messages, which I thought was particularly good. I always recommend fiction to my clients, especially when they need to get better at copywriting, because I think if you can paint words with pictures as an e-commerce founder, you will have no problem at all being successful. And so the book that I would recommend in that sort of area is Bryce Courtney, The Power of One. And then the final book that I would recommend is probably Sapiens by, um, gosh, I'm forgetting what his name is now, but it's a book on the human evolution. And I think understanding humans at a core level is probably one of the best investments that you can make as a founder and marketer. Very three cool recommendations there. Um, I think we've had Sapiens recommended before, but certainly the other two we haven't. And I'm just loving the book name, Hey Whipple, Squeeze This. That's, <laughs> I just want to buy that just to have it on the bookshelf, <laughs> let alone read it. <laughs> okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I think any time not spent on sales is wasted time as a founder, particularly in the first 12 to 18 months. Um, And I say this as someone who spent a lot of time not doing sales. (laughs) Um, So for me, the investment of like pretty much any paid advertising channel as an e-com founder is going to be a good investment of your time and money. And then the other thing that I would say is I've made a ridiculous amount of money with marketing campaigns. So like giveaway campaigns, for example, where we gave away two holidays to Bali um, in Indonesia. That tripled our revenue in 30 days and we didn't even put a lot of paid advertising spend behind it. So it's definitely worth considering. And was that a competition to get email addresses, which then you would use to sell? It was a competition to, you had to purchase in order to to Uh, play a part. Okay, cool. So buying a product was your entry into Mm -hmm. it. 
Yeah. Very nice. And just, I know a lot of people when they hear sales, they think of a, of a shiny salesman turning up or picking up the phone to call them. Mm-hmm. In the e-commerce central, meaning that as great sales copy, messages to get to generate the order, paid ads, all those key things we should be doing to, to get an order today. Yeah. Can I, <laughs> I kind of want to railroad that and sort of like yeah, go for it. give the breakthrough that I would usually give on a sales call when someone brings that up. So um, when I say to someone, we talk about, we talk about niching, we talk about how we sell the product. And then I would usually say to someone, look, what I would usually talk about third in the third place is how to approach paid advertising, but there's actually a much bigger issue here. And this is now part of my sales script because it's so, um, fundamentally baked into the type of person who's attracted to Mm e-commerce and the type of person that's attracted to e-commerce is typically someone who is absolutely terrified of sales. (laughs) (laughs) So what I would usually say is how do you feel about selling? Let's play a word association game. So Chloe, when I say the word salesperson, what do you think? Shiny. Mm, Tell me more. Uh, a guy in a suit, or actually in this industry, probably in jeans and a jacket and a white shirt, who uh, is possibly a little bit done in from last night's celebration of the previous day's uh, sales performance, and who is not going to listen to anything I have to say and is going to try and sell me something on his terms, whether I want to be sold it or not. Interesting. So this this perception of sales is really, really, really common. Um, and it's fascinating, right? Because when we think of sales, what I want you to think about is a seesaw, right? Um, and on one hand of the seesaw, on one seat of the seesaw, we have what most people would call a salesperson. And so that is assertive, won't take no for an answer, chase you down the street, um, some people will also say pushy, liar, scammer. And my question to you is, Chloe, is that really sales? No, it isn't really sales. It's bad sales. Mm, right. So I would actually call this person a deceiver, right? The other side of the seesaw, we have what I would call a doormat, which is someone who is so scared to offer what they have to the world for three reasons usually. One, they're terrified that someone will call them a deceiver. Two, they're absolutely terrified that they'll fail or be rejected. Or three, they're shit scared that they'll be successful. So think about a seesaw, right? It's both, it's constantly up and down on either side, correct? Mm -hmm. So these are both really, really out of balance. And my question to you is, which one is worse? Neither of them. Mm. They're both equally bad. Yes, correct. Because they both rob the world. What if we wanted to put a third person on the seesaw? Where would we put them? I'm going to guess in the middle. Yes, correct. You're good at this. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm trying to set you up to do this really, really well for all the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we put it in the middle. So we take the best traits of the deceiver, right? So the deceiver is assertive. They are willing to put themselves out there over and over again. And they care about the, the business's bottom line unashamedly. The best traits of the doormat are that they have a great heart, they have a great product, and they really, really care about their customers, yeah? So if we bring all of those good traits together, what is that? What I should be, Mm. ideally, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. That to me is sales. That is a salesperson. Very cool. 
And so typically what we find, I'm almost done. (laughs) (laughs) No, keep going. This is good. So if someone comes to me and they're like, oh, salespersons, salespeople are pushy, you know, they won't take no for an answer, blah, 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 blah. What I usually find, right, is that this person who's saying this to me can't tolerate internal pressure. Where does pressure come from? Ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's right. So is it possible to make anyone do anything? Not entirely. Mm, Tell me more. Uh, But you can certainly use various tactics to encourage them to do what you want to do. But I don't think you can ever fully make them do it without becoming very, very unethical. Interesting. So that attitude in and of itself is is what's kind of stopping you. I don't know your business that well, but that attitude that you ultimately can influence someone um, is actually stopping you from being better at sales than you're not right now. Because here's the thing, I could come to any one of your houses right now, anyone that's listening to this, I could come to your house, I could hold a gun against your forehead and I could say, tell me where your kids are or I'll shoot you. And you'll say, no. And I'll say, tell me where your kids are or I'll shoot you. Say no. Now I'm yelling and I'm saying, tell me where your kids are. I'm going to shoot you. And you say, no. So I shoot you and you're dead and your brains are against the wall, right? But I still don't know where your kids are. People can only be influenced when they want to be influenced. And people that think salespeople are pushy and put pressure on them have terrible boundaries and can't say no. And this is why so many people aren't successful. And that's my sales breakthrough. <laughs> wow, that was quite that was quite deep. Um, I'm feeling and quite dark at a point in there as well, Lucy. Um, yeah. I've that was really good though. Thank I'm you. feeling a little bit zen now. Uh, slightly forgotten where we are. We just did the traffic <laughs> top tip, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Ah, I'm going to carry on whilst I process that in my own head. Okay, the mm-hmm. tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Oh my gosh, I love Trello. Like, I just use it so much. It's such a fantastic tool. Excellent. And then mm-hmm. the growth top tip. If you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? Your time should be almost entirely spent on a paid advertising channel that has um, the ability to scale immensely. And so like typically what we find, I have a client actually that's going through this right now. She spent the first couple of months just learning Facebook ads, getting really good at it, putting the time and the work in. And she went from zero to a thousand dollars a day in 14 days, zero to 40 grand a month in three weeks and zero to a hundred grand a month in two months. So if you are spending any time on anything outside of sales in the first 12 months, you're crazy and you're wasting your time. So we're talking get the sales first, then worry about systems, processes, et cetera, later. Yeah, basically. You can deal with most things. The thing that most people think is that it has to be tidy. Um, It has to like, you know, they're not ready to handle the growth. The reality is you're never ready to handle the growth. Things will always break. And you have to you have to let go of control and embrace, embrace responsibility because mistakes will happen. Um, but it's less about the mistakes happening and more about how you own the mistakes. And most things can be fixed with a phone call. Cool. 
Okay. Lucy, I'm still feeling slightly spaced out from the bit of sales coaching you just gave me, which I'm hoping <laughs> has also helped our audience a huge amount too. I'm sure it will have helped, helped many of you because um, I completely agree with your point of view on the fact that the most people who come into e-commerce don't want to do sales. Mm-hmm. They want to do something else. Um, before we say goodbye, though, um, could you please let the listeners know where they can find out more about you and your business? And by that, I mean the um, your uh, your consultancy that you're that I mentioned right up front that you're working on, which is all about helping people get to ten thousand orders in eighteen months. Yeah. So my business is called 10,000 Customers. You can check us out at 10,000customers.com. And basically our claim to fame is that we'll help you get your 10,000 customers in 12 to 18 months. Um, A lot of people will come to us thinking that that means that we'll do all the work. And don't get me wrong, we do do execution, but I'm a really big fan of hustle, grind, and also learning the ropes yourself, which is why the bulk of our business or my business rather is spent on coaching people like the people listening to um, this podcast right now on how to actually do that. Because if there's one thing that's really common in e-commerce, it's the desire to abdicate. So to pass off responsibility for the sales and success of the business to a Facebook ads agency or a Google ads agency or whatever it may be. Not a big fan of that. So we actually teach people how to do that themselves and how to take control of their future, their destiny, and their business. And basically, um, one of the programs that Nikki, the client that I was just talking to you about, um, went through is our eight-week launch pad. And it was a really interesting story, actually, because she clicked on one of my Facebook ads. We had a conversation and she said to me, look, like I'm not making anywhere near enough money. I spent 50 grand. I spent eight grand on Facebook ads in the last six months. Like it's just not working. I want to quit. And so I said to her, look, what if we can make something up um, that shows you how to flip the business on its head um, and get really, really good results and sort of get the ball moving and and get your hope back around the business. And so that's exactly what we did. Um, So that program is called the Launchpad and it's it's really amazing um, program that's changed a ton of people's lives and a ton of people's businesses. And so if anyone reaches out to me because of this podcast, I am happy to offer a special deal for you. Cool. And what's the best way for people to reach out to you, Lucy? Best way to reach out to me is to go to my website. um, And then there's a big red button that says book in a uh, consulting call or book in a strategy call. Cool. So they book book one of those calls, mention the fact they heard you on this podcast and Mm -hmm. you'll do the rest. Mm Mm-hmm. And are we um, typing in your uh, 10,000customers.com with numbers or with letters? Numbers. Numbers. Awesome. Okay. Lucy, thank you very much for that. That I'm sure many of the audience will take you up on it. And also, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We have covered, I think, ethical commerce in a lot of detail, but also you've shared some really, really great tips towards growth, which is what this month is all about on the podcast. So, um, as the, the audience probably tell, I'm still a little bit spaced out. So thank you for that too. I'm going to process that the rest of the day. Uh, but thank you so much for being on the show. It's as it always is, it's been great catching up with you. And I'm really pleased we've been able to bring some of our conversation and put it in front of the audience. Amazing. Thank you so much, Chloe. Well, guys, so much great advice covering so many topics as well from Lucy there. Really interesting to hear how she set up her business, Trefiel, 
that is her e-commerce business, to make it uh, location independent from day one to give them maximum flexibility as business owners. And then how she had those lessons about what you really need to focus on if you want to create fast growth, which is all the sales activity. So the Google ads, the emails, the messaging, getting all that pinpointed. So as you ha- you maximize your conversion rate, maximize your traffic. And then some great advice in the top tips too, and, and the advice about ethical e-commerce, those key pillars and how to how to focus on those pillars to make it more achievable to become ethical. And quite frankly, the fact that in 10 years time, being an ethical business is going to be table stakes. It's going to be something you just have to do. But that now, if you can do it now, you're going to have that great USP, which is going to attract you a whole new band of customers and keep them with you because you are doing the things they want to see you doing. To Oh, and of course, how could I forget? See, still slightly um, spaced out from that. That great process of getting your head around sales, that seesaw imagery that Lucy was using with the shiny, full-on car salesman guy, I suppose, on one end of the seesaw and on the far end, the person who's scared of sales, usually me, uh, maybe many of you too. And then in the middle, the sensible salesperson, the the salesperson who's going to achieve the results because they have the best parts of both pieces. This is an episode I will certainly be listening to again. I hope you found it useful. If you want all the notes from today's show, including the top tips, links and details of some related episodes, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this interview from our 2020 e-commerce master plan growth series sponsored by Omnisend. We've got another eight episodes in the series for you, so make sure you check them all out. We get a lot of people finding the e-commerce master plan podcast for the first time during our growth series. If that's you, please don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And please do spread the word. Let your colleagues and e-commerce friends know about the show so it can help them too. Have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.